It's episode 11 of Local Music Talk. My name is Michael, coming at you from the heart of the nation's capital, downtown Ottawa. And if you don't already, please give me a follow on social media. It's at Local Music Talk 1 on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can find me on Facebook. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, what I do here is I interview some of Ottawa's best local musicians, and uh, we figure out what in the world has been going on during this pandemic and uh, how the scene's been doing. For this week's episode, I have a very special guest, it's Mary Clo. Here she is. Hi, I'm Mary Clo. I'm a bilingual singer, songwriter, dancer, actor from Ottawa, and I've just released my full-length album called Shell. My social media is Mary Clo on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, one of the things I actually was wondering is, uh, I was reading a little bit uh, about uh, your biography there, and it sounds like you had a little bit of a, I guess, like a musical career earlier in life. Uh, how did you get all that started? So yeah, basically, I, um, I've i been doing music professionally for five years, but I, uh, I actually have been working as an artist professionally for 15 years, which is crazy. But um, I studied musical theater right out of high school. I went to uh, my post-secondary studies were in musical theater at a school called Sheridan in Toronto. And that's kind of what I started doing right off the bat as soon as I graduated. I started doing musicals and plays and TV, um, movies, stuff like that. And then obviously that was a very musical focus. Like part of the training was music theory or training and uh, a lot of like instruments, pop class, stuff like that, music industry. So it was kind of all connected, but I really only got into music professionally, um, like starting in 2016. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, how did you get to that transition? Was uh, doing music professionally something you always wanted to do? And was it difficult to step away from musical theater? Well, I've never officially stepped away. I actually still do musical theater professionally now. Um, it's just with COVID, obviously, none of that's happening. But yeah, right. I actually had a contract canceled because of COVID. Uh, I was a musical uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show right here in Ottawa. So oh, wow. um, yeah, it's still very, very much part of my life. Yes, music took a much bigger like part of it in that it's it is like where it's more constant work so it's definitely more um more active but that being said yeah music was always kind of a part of my life in that I like to play music by myself with friends it's something I it's something I like doing as like a a full-time hobby if you will like I took lessons obviously but it's more like music is almost it's like it's the it's always been there it's like the constant to me it's what ties all my art forms together like dance singing acting and songwriting that's the backbone of all three of them so I think it just eventually I'd written so many songs and some people had been like why don't you um like actually try to do something with them but I had no idea what to do or where to start so I I guess how it all sort of began and then snowballed was a contest um in Sudbury a music contest for uh singer-songwriters in um 2016 so is uh, vocals like always your main instrument or uh, did you also no. play other instruments along oh, yeah. the way? Yeah, I played, I played, um, like I, I was, I took piano lessons uh, kind of like as a kid and as a teenager. Actually, I dabbled a little bit in drums as a teenager, but I had a crush <laughs> on my teacher. So I stopped immediately because I was like, it was way too intense to go to my lessons because I was like, you know, full blown teenager falling in love. And I was like, okay, hey, got to stop that. And then, <laughs> so unfortunately, a love situation kept me from being a percussionist. Um, but uh, I'm a tap dancer, so that's not true. I became a percussionist in a different way. I <laughs> guess, um, ironically enough, I actually took my first singing lesson at this school, at Sheridan. So I was like, 
I was 18 the first time I took a singing lesson. Oh, wow. So that would have been around the same time, like the first time you actually sang in front of people. You wouldn't have done that before then. Um, nope. I would have sang in front of people only in, in a, like in a, I'm a kid and I'm doing this talent show way, but never, never professionally. No, I was, I really, I remember being really insecure about my voice uh, starting college because this was a musical theater program. So people were phenomenal singers. I was a much stronger dancer and actor than I was a singer. And uh, even throughout my time at the school, my voice wasn't getting that much better. All of the learning curve and the, all of the improvement came after. And that, that's shocking. That's why I'm like, you can never underestimate the power of like practice and staying, like sticking with something because I would have, I was so skeptical. I was like, this is my voice for life. Like it'll never change. And it completely changed. Okay. Uh, going into I guess, musical theater school, like, were you expecting to have to sing? Was that something you were prepared to do beforehand? Or oh, were you thinking sure. you were just going to stick to dancing? No, no, no. The way it works is like, basically, like I already had a, I had a very good ear and I had an, a pleasant voice. Like my mom's a singer. So it wasn't like music is in my family. Like it was, it's not like I went from being like terrible to, to amazing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that being said, yeah, it is part of the program. It's just, this is a very competitive program. It's the strongest musical theater program in Canada almost North America. Um, and so, yes, you absolutely go in knowing that you're going to have to do all of these things. In fact, the, the, the acceptance rate is very low because the testing to get in is so rigorous. Like it's, it is ear training. It is, you do music theory exam. You do have to sing a few songs as an audition. You have to do a dance call. You have to do a few monologues. It's, it's really intense. So yes, I was well aware that I would have to sing in front of people and it made me very uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so uh, just looking uh 2017 it says that uh, you did win uh, tfo's pan-canadian tv search for a francophone artist uh how did you find out about that and uh, what did you do to go for it uh honestly like it was kind of all in the same like line of uh, these contests that people were like you gotta do it you gotta just try um and I was like, ugh, I'm, I'm old, man. Like, I can't just do these contests. I'm too old. But again, like, I was wrong. Um, I, I, I saw it kind of go by. I think I heard it on the radio or something. And, or a friend tagged me in it on Facebook. And I was like, this is so dumb. As if I'm going to go to this. There's going to be, like, thousands of people. There were so many people. They were so good, like, really talented musicians when I showed up. And I almost turned around because I'm showing up with, like, my shitty little detuned uke being, like, <laughs> I don't know, just so, like, chill about it. And then I was like, oh, you are so underprepared. So I, like, turned around. Then I was like, just do it. You're already here. You already paid parking. That's essentially what got me to do this, which is so funny. And then, <laughs> and then I just did the audition. And it's really funny because... Yeah, I ended up winning the entire thing, which majorly jumpstarted my career. But also, I missed the phone call when they told me that I got the gig. So I got, I was basically representing Ontario. And then I was in the shower when they called me a few hours later. And then I, I came out of the shower and I had like six missed calls. And they're like, the message was like, please call back. You, you got the gig, but like, we're going to give it to someone else if you don't call back soon. So that was a little chaotic. And... I just did it because I had nothing else to lose, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad that worked out for you. Um, yeah, me too. You said that uh, <laughs> it uh, helped you jumpstart your career a little bit uh, in one aspects. Oh, yeah. No, not a little bit. Majorly. It is essentially what's okay. jumpstarted my career. Uh, well, because I won a massive prize. 
um, which was the production of my first EP, Phone, um, the production of my first music video, Tuzi, a cash prize, as well as like a mini tour. And it was broadcast by a major television network. So that gave me a lot of visibility, but also connected me to, to a network of people that are bilingual and francophone, especially that I would have never otherwise had access to. Like, that's that question that I couldn't answer as an emerging artist. Like, I didn't know where to go. And that's where I had to go. I had to go to these people. I had to basically met everyone that I needed to meet in like one easy. Well, okay, I say easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I had to actually do the contest. <laughs> but in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was that was worth well worth all that work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, when you got to like write your album, uh, how about do you go about uh, doing your songwriting? Like, do you have like a little journal? Is it more like about the music and the lyrics come after or? Um, yeah, like I, I always have melodies first and then I'll, I'll like layer lyrics on top of it in an improv way. Um, I 100% of the time have melodies first. It's never lyrics first. And I, yeah, I, I do keep a little, like a little journal and I do jot down stuff in my phone or I'll use like, um, my voice memos on my phone. Generally that's where I'll get, I'll put my initial like idea down and it comes at night. So that's a little inconvenient, uh, really, really late at night, like around midnight, 1am, 2am, just when I'm starting to fall asleep. So I have to push myself out of sleep and then put it on a voice memo. And it doesn't always make sense the next day when I hear it, because I'm never sure what the actual like key is, because I'm only singing like a melodic line. So it's always like, it's kind of a sketchy way to write music in that I think I've lost a lot of good ideas, but that's when the inspiration hits. So that's kind of always how I've gone about it. Yeah, that's certainly minorly inconvenient. I'm sure yeah. uh, you're probably waking up the dogs when you're doing that too. Eh? Exactly. Everything's chaotic. I'm waking up the partner. I'm waking up myself, which sucks because I'm an insomniac and I really like to get to bed. But like, I'm I'm like, I, it's apparently super common for um, artists to have like these artists are, I guess, most commonly this chronotype. So they they are getting like inspiration late in the day as opposed to like, early risers yeah I can kind of relate to that a little bit as a drummer like when I was playing in bands before the pandemic there were a couple times when like random things would come to me through a dream exactly <laughs> ah that's super super relevant like that happens all the time I'll have like my concepts for a music video this way or like it's really do you remember your dreams sometimes like obviously when it's more like music connected I, I tend to memorize music like pretty easily so I'll remember it that way but like if it's like a non-musical dream whatsoever then I probably won't remember at all that's so funny that there's like the nuance between the two yeah absolutely I get a lot of ideas from sleep and right before sleep <laughs> do you uh, come up with all uh, the instrumental components for your music uh, by yourself or uh, do you tend to have like other musicians come in and help out with that yeah when it comes to arrangements I have a very like good team we all kind of work together um so I, I work with Olivier Fairfield um who's my producer and my co-producer is Shao Fairfield who's his father uh he's the owner of the uh studio Encode which is where I've recorded all of my songs except for one song which I recorded at Little Bullhorn um and I have a team of musicians as well, yeah, that I that I hired. I do a lot of my live shows with them, but they do help me kind of build the the, the structure, not um not the melodic structure, but very much the instruments. And um, yeah, they have so many great ideas 
I think we just really complement each other. Okay. Yeah. That's good to find that uh, kind of chemistry. Yeah. Because uh, ultimately I don't play guitar. Right. So it's very hard for me. Like sometimes I'll have ideas or like vibes that I want to have conveyed, but I'm not the one laying down these parts, nor am I the ones coming up with the, a guitar lick, for example. And uh, you mentioned uh, music videos uh, before when you come up uh, for concepts, is that again, like mostly just kind of you or is it to, uh, kind of that collaboration again. um for music videos i'm pretty solo uh again i like so I, I i come up with all of the the visuals and uh concepts um and so a lot of the times i do most of the choreography as well i i think I, i'm sure you've seen there's a lot of dancing in my music videos because i'm a dancer <laughs> um so but then again uh, i do share that that load with like a videographer that i who has a lot of great ideas and a good interpretation. And we kind of share that, that, that vision. And I hired a stylist, for example, Madison Kelly from uh, Bellwethers Vintage for, for my video at ease um, and shell as well. And then, you know, I work with dancers, so they'll bring their touch to, you know, they'll say, this is good here. This is better there. Or just their own interpretation of the choreography choreography is, is helpful because it's, it lifts the whole product. Right. And so, it's, I would say it's a, a lot of it is like my idea initially and then everyone just kind of embellishes it. So it would be not the same at all if it was me alone. I think everyone helps lift the, the final product. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, do you think any of this uh, choreography is going to come out in uh, one of your live performances at some point? Do you think you'll end up having a lot of dancers? Well, that was kind <laughs> or, of the, uh, do you think the it's... plan, but you know, COVID really does kind of change everything right in that I should have been on tour already like I'd be I would have been on tour probably since for a long like I would have gone last summer because the EP1 was out and then this fall EP2 came out and you know I I would love to say yeah that that's totally the plan and it kind of was the plan but then COVID just makes things feel so impossible yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, but it looks like you have been up to a few things uh, during COVID. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been in terms of uh, putting out some releases and stuff. Yeah, I've been very fortunate in that. Well, you know, it hasn't been easy, but I, I've at least um, had the opportunity to play really cool, uh, interesting live stream shows and in person shows too. I mean, I played the Blues Fest Drive-In show, which was pretty cool, and uh, just mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we're just kind of accepting it as it is. It's just not an easy time, right? To, for anyone, let alone the arts. Yeah, especially uh, when it comes to local music. Uh, how have you found uh, those live streams? Like, is that something that you've enjoyed doing? Because I've heard, I've heard like mixed reviews from various people I've talked to. Yeah, I mean, so I don't really like technology that much. Um, I appreciate what it offers us and that it gives us, especially during a time like this, like I get to stream TV shows and, you know, do this podcast with you or like talk to my grandparents. But like, uh, you know, social media for me is, is yes, it's a personal platform, but it's more a business platform. I just don't have like the best. I'm not interested in learning more about technology, nor am I interested in having it like be a huge part of my life. So because of this, I am not the best candidate for live streams. That being said, I'm happy they existed. I'm happy I got to do cool shows and still network with people and still get to connect with people this way. So I'm really grateful for that. Is that how I want music to stay for the foreseeable future? Hell no. Um, there's a lag. It's a little awkward. You can't really read people's social cues. And like, that's really hard for me. Like I really depend on physical body cues and I've found it honestly kind of awkward and taxing. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, have you done it all just like solo when you're uh, trying to do those? Mm, live I've streams? done a few as a full band. Like the beginning of COVID, like when the restrictions. Oh my god, you can hear like a chainsaw in the back because my partner's shop is in our house. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the beginning, like the first, like when we loosened the restrictions, I did a whole bunch of cool stuff. Like we did the like Ottawa Oh Mike uh, Shankman thing. And then I did a Francophone in Montreal. Like there was a lot of cool ways. I was shooting it at my studio at home, Micromuse. And I, we were in a full band and it was like really cool. We were being safe. But as time went on, it's like it became less and less. Like people got more scared and less willing to get together. Um, and I get it. Myself, I wasn't really like in the mood. I think as the variants progressed, it was like scary. So it became more solo and duet stuff for the live streams at that point. Okay. Uh, I guess, like, hopefully COVID comes to an end at some Let's point. Uh, do you have any, uh, <laughs> do you have anything that you're looking to accomplish? Like the moment the world opens back up, like you're going to go straight to touring? Yeah, well, or... I mean, that'd be the, the, the best. I think it would be cool to get back to doing a few live shows with Shell to actually honor the live music component of the album. Um, I also have a brand new project coming. So that's at least kept me kind of nourished and busy. So while shell final part was coming out i was already writing my next album in a collaboration so that'll that's going to be something uh, coming soon as well okay that's pretty cool um have you spent uh, a whole lot of time doing songwriting like while we've been locked down or has it just been more focused on getting the releases um, out? no so I've, all of the release work has been like you know it took a lot of my time and energy but i i was in a six-week uh writing residency with another artist from saskatchewan she kind of basically got tested self-isolated at my house and then we wrote for six weeks so we we wrote a lot um <laughs> what was it like uh, having a I guess that kind of collaboration uh, did it like come pretty straightforward or were there some challenges along the way? Well, you know, I was scared at first. Cause I was like, I honestly feel like I've lost the ability to be like a social person at this point. Like this was, this just happened like in January and February. So we'd been in lockdown for almost a year at that point. I was a little scared that I'd be not only creatively blocked, but like socially blocked. Um, but you know what? It was the most natural fun thing ever. We wrote 16 songs in like a week. And then we spent the rest of the five weeks just like talking about marketing and basically watching Broad City. So that was it. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like uh, it went pretty it was smooth. Great. Like, like you, yeah, like you said. At this point, it is kind of weird when you actually do have social interactions with people. It's, it's just super like, weird. I, I, yeah, I, I just feel so rusty every time I talk to people. I know, now, and you so. kind of just question yourself. Like, I'm I'm already an anxious person, and then now with this layer, I'm like, am I dumb? Am I making sense? I'm always, like, questioning everything I say. I'm like, is this normal? Is this normal? So I hope that that's a feeling that goes away with, like, normalcy, because it is, yeah. Like, in French, we say, sport pose. Like, uh, it's, it's not a calming feeling to kind of always worry <laughs> about how you sound. Yeah, I feel that. The other thing, too, is like when it does come time to actually going back to shows, like, am I going to feel claustrophobic standing next to people yeah, now? Or is I, that going to? I think that <laughs> I think we will. Um, I mean, we're going to be near people. They're still going to like it's going to be slow, right? Like the vaccination and all of this. And I'm sure there's going to be like unexpected twists and turns. So plus, like, to be honest, I, w I already wasn't great in crowds. Like, I, I really like intimate venues and stuff like that. So, like, big festivals and stuff, like, I think, for me, that's not going to be a possibility anymore. I'll play them. Okay, but, that's fair. <laughs> but I, I don't know that I can, like, 
I don't know. I don't know that I can be like in a mosh pit situation again. You know, I think it's going to get me, it's going to give me a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was just thinking about like some of like Ottawa's, like, I guess, venues, like a house of target or yeah. something that has a lot of like punk bands and it's always like really dirty and, like, everywhere. I, I just don't know. <laughs> like everything to make you feel like stuck. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no windows. But uh, it was a few months ago, there was these pictures that came out from a German festival where it looked like everybody was kind of like separated into their own bubbles on like different platforms. Yeah. I-, I want that. That cute. <laughs> if only it had like a little curtain and a washroom inside because girls, it's complicated for us at, at these types of festivals to go to the washroom. And like, I guess the bubble, like how do you, I, I was just already being so pragmatic. I'm like, how does it work? Where do you go? How do you get out of it? Where do you go pee? yeah that's fair that's something i definitely don't really consider i just see like i guess the bubble i'm just like yeah that's it's at least safe yeah it's a a step in the right direction in terms of like virus thanks again to marie clo for lending me your time and speaking with me for this episode of the podcast really enjoyed chatting with her and if you guys enjoyed what you heard today please give me a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and until next week stay kind to one another thank you